Gallifrey in the constellation of Castorbarus. I hope he is a bit less conspicuous this time. You might be a doctor, but I am. I'm a doctor. That's probably not the one you expect. Absolutely fantastic. All of time and space, everything that ever happened or ever will. Where do you want to start? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Big on the Inside, the new Who Doctor Who Watch Along podcast. I am the co-host Harry, joined as always by our main host, who has taken the phrase "it's coming home" a little too literally by literally <laughs> coming home from his uni accommodation back to his childhood home. How are you? Tim? You took. I'm very well. You took my. Um, I was tempted to interrupt, but I just belted out "it's coming home." But I, I imagine. This could be a, 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 a stereotype, but that most of our listeners, like us, aren't massive football fans and only really like football for the two 45-minute slots we watch a week. Mm. I must be honest, I have not been watching the Euros at all. The first game I watched was the England-Ukraine game on a Saturday night. Yeah. And, I mean... Yeah. I mean- I'm I'm totally hooked now. Like that that is the best I think I've seen England <laughs> play like ever. I've never seen them play yeah. like that. It was incredible. Yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it? It's like the like the last World Cup. I know we all got quite into it, and I remember watching the game at yours, and I think we saw a couple of games at the pub. But it's also like I I work in pub uh, in pubs and nightclubs, so I constantly get asked opinions about it. So you feel like you should sort of watch it a little bit. I mean, I don't watch any other game. I don't watch the games to find out who we're playing next. Mm. I just watch our games. And then about 10 minutes afterwards, I'm kind of over it. Yeah, I only watch the England games. I, I'm yeah. kind of into it until kind of the coverage on BBC or ITV stops. Yeah, same, yeah. I don't even watch like the hour thing they do before where they have like Adrian Charles. I quite enjoy that. They produce the, some very, very good VTs, very high quality VTs. Yeah. Is that on the BBC or ITV? Or I, uh, BBC, they're the ones you covered. You covered. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, Doctor Who, Harry. <laughs> I, yes, Doctor Who. We do have a fair few bits of Doctor Who news this week. Uh, the, yeah. The first is the upcoming release of uh, the Doctor Who serial, Evil of the Daleks. Uh, yeah. The, yeah, um, this, like many of the uh, uh, kind of an incompletely found um, child stories has been reanimated and is going to be released, I think, on Blu-ray and DVD. Yeah, Blu-ray, DVD. I was just having a quick look. Blu-ray, DVD and Steelbook. Steelbook's like $25.99 or something like that. And I thought, oh, that was quite expensive, but you get a lot of bonus material, I think, if you start paying for the big... Yeah, that's right. That's the uh, Lux box set that has expansive special features, including an audiobook version of Evil of the Daleks read by Tom Baker, as well as audio commentaries. And there's also featured um, a telesnap recreation of the episodes, plus the surviving footage from its original 1967 airing on BBC One. So yeah, pretty cool. It'll be interesting to see how quickly something like that lands on BritBox, because I had a BritBox subscription very briefly for about two months. And there was a lot of animated Doctor Who on there. Some of it was terrible. And um, there was a William Hartner one I watched with Harrison. And like we just put it on for someone to watch. And it was like really, really bad. Um, um, but The trailer for this new one, Evil Daleks? 
Yes, I saw the teaser trailer, which is a minute long, and I would say 55 seconds of just text on the screen. And I also saw a Twitter clip that came out, I want to say about a month ago, that had some questionable animation that looks almost PlayStation 2-esque. Um, and I know a couple of people, I know I've seen some comments online where people are like, is it worth doing it if the animation isn't going to be substantial enough to actually... But I, I get, like, there's a, there will be a very limited budget and it won't be the greatest animation team in the world doing it. But I think people are sometimes like, if it's not going to be the best that it could be, is there any point doing it? Do you know what I mean? Mm. I suppose that the yeah. budget really comes down to how much interest there is from audiences for this if it's something that only a niche subsection of the Doctor Who fan base is into then I guess they can't really blow an extortionate budget on it however you could then say that if they put more money into it and produced a higher quality animation perhaps more people would be willing to purchase it we don't know yeah yeah, I mean like we do it Doctor Who podcast, but this isn't something I'm thinking of buying. And there's been ones in, but ones in the past, like Terror of the Macro, where I'm in HMV and I see it, and I go, "Oh, that's a really cool DVD cover." But I'm like, "I'm not going to be sucked in by the cover because sometimes I know and I've seen the clips. It's like some big finish stuff, right?" I talk to Harrison about this, and I say that the cover looks amazing, and then when I listen to the story, I'm not really blown away as much as the cover looks. So sometimes I try not to be suckered in, but um, Maybe if people want us to do some of these or if people have a suggestion of a recreated animation episode that we should watch, definitely give it a bit of a watch. Yeah, there are some interesting... This one actually does pique my interest for a few reasons. Like, first of all, this story is quite historic beyond being a lost episode. Like, it was originally going to be the last ever appearance of the Daleks in Doctor Who because Terry Nation yeah. had his plans to make his own Daleks show spin-off, which I have to be honest, I can't imagine how that would work. Um, yeah. And also, it was the first appearance of the Emperor Dalek? Yeah, it was, yeah. That's a character that's... I remember asking on, like, a, a group a while back when we were doing Series 1 if someone could explain to me the Emperor Dalek. Because it's not like Davros, where it's the same character. I, I think it's like the Emperor Dalek is a title that gets passed to different Daleks. It's not like there is one Emperor Dalek. I, think, I believe it's almost like a title that gets passed around. Yeah, because the design that we see, at least in this kind of one piece of promo art of the Emperor Dalek, I don't know if this is the same as what they had on set, but it looks mm. very, very different to what we saw in um, The Parting of the Ways. I actually kind yeah, of like definitely. this design a lot more. It's kind of, it is more 60s, but it's also much kind of more streamlined. I like it. Yeah. I suppose that's a character that hasn't returned yet, but I guess like if you're gonna do a Dalek thing, the temptation is to do Davros. Mm. So it's like he kind of, I, I always feel bummed out from Matt Smith's doctor. He never got a Davros story and he never got a master story. So those are like the two big things that he never really got. Um and then Peter Capaldi got both, David Tennant got both, and stuff in like Jodie Whittaker's gonna be getting both as well. So uh, but I, I would quite like it if they went, no, we're going to do something different. We're going to bring a different Dalek baddie in. Because I, I remember seeing an interview with Russell where he said, like, Doctor Who's only real shock is that you bring back the Master or you bring back Davros. There's, like, the two things. 
which I think limits it a little bit. Because he's right. If you look back, like, Series 1 finale is Daleks. Series 2 finale is Daleks. Series 3 finale is The Master. Series 4 finale is The Daleks. And then, do you know what I mean? It, yeah. They kind of just seem to swap them out. And I feel like they could... They could if they brought back the Emperor Dalek, it would be a nice twist. Yeah, I'm, th- I'm thinking about it. The only other things that you can really have as kind of a big returning character is either another Doctor, which Matt Smith yeah. did actually get, and maybe... Yes. Yeah. I want to say Rassilon, but I feel like Rassilon doesn't generate the same level of excitement that Davros or the Master yeah. generates. Yeah, it's like the Rami. Like, I'd love to see that character return. I know people are like, well, the point of the Rami was she was a female master, and we've had a female master, sort of, and we've now got a female doctor. But I feel like you can now expand on that character past the fact that she's a female version of something. Hmm. What happened to her in the show? Did she just kind of disappear? I have, I have no idea. I feel like they just... I, I, I feel it's one of those things that's just never been addressed since McCoy. Hmm. Yeah. Well, no, maybe, maybe I should think returning companions more of a thing. Yeah, I remember we spoke when we spoke about 60th, which I know we're going to get to later. We said maybe an interesting way to do that would focus more on supporting characters rather than returning doctors. Mm. Like have someone like Ace return and Martha and have more of a celebration of the world of Doctor Who rather than just that team actors who played the part. Absolutely, yeah. There's a lot more to Doctor Who than just kind of the big heavy hairs. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Okay, so moving on to our next piece of news. We have something linking. This is going to be... Oh, you've not released that video yet, have you? Um... Uh, oh, no. Coming, okay, well, later this week, on Wednesday, you will, there will be a Loki-themed video coming up on the channel. I won't spoil it, because I was quite... I was quite it's one of my favourite videos we've done. Unfortunately, it's just me, no Harry. Um... And I was kind of hoping to release it later when we go on a mid-season break, but Loki won't be on telly anymore. So keep an eye out for that on Wednesday. It's a really fun video about Doctor Who and Marvel. So, uh, yeah, but no, there's some other Loki Doctor Who news. Yeah, there's a different thing, which is the Loki star, Trisha on the name, Sophia DiMartino, has said that she yeah. wouldn't turn her nose up at the opportunity to play the Doctor in Doctor Who. Um mm. She in the show plays a variant of Loki, uh, who tries yep. to escape from a damned moon after fleeing the TVA and draining the former's teleporting device. Have um, you been watching Loki, Harry? I haven't. I have no idea what I'm describing right now. <laughs> Loki is so far my favorite Disney Plus uh, Marvel series. I'm really enjoying it. It's very Doctor Who esque, but it's sort of better <laughs> if that makes sense like it's got the it's got the production value that doctor who should have if mm. doctor who had the production value that loki has i think a lot of storytelling that doctor who fails with recently would be sort of pushed under the carpet by a good production value if you know what i mean mm, i see interesting yeah and also the dynamic between uh tom hiddleston and how is that first name sophia I, who this this actor? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sophia Demar. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Like their chemistry is very Doctor Mastery as well, and it's um, yeah, it's great. So for those who don't know, she plays like an a variant of Loki on a different timeline. So Loki 
at some point has broken a timeline rule and the TVA, the Time Variance Authority, have captured Loki and are now using Loki to capture other Lokis from different points in time. So different timelines have different Lokis and they're using the Tom Hiddleston version to capture different Lokis. Okay. And Tom Hiddleston's, Tom Hiddleston's version of Loki has befriended um, Sophia's version of Loki. Okay. I'll uh, read the quote yeah. that she says about the uh, comments that have been made. She said, yeah. I see what they mean, the duo as well. We're each other's companion. Asked whether she'd fancy hopping into the TARDIS herself, she said, I wouldn't turn my nose about it. I haven't really given it much thought, to be honest. I haven't read any of that stuff. It's exciting, though. Yeah. I just like that people, you know, have all these theories and are being inspired by Loki. It's great to watch. Yeah, okay. well, I remember I read that like five minutes ago, that quote, and I love that. It's like, I haven't read any of it. And I'm like, oh, you have no idea what this <laughs> Doctor Who is. So what's is, she, sorry, is she American, to clarify? Just... Um, no, I believe she's British. She, people might know her as, um, she was in an episode of Friday Night Dinner where Simon Burr's character has like a weird, like annoying relationship with the next door neighbor's young child. And she plays Simon Burr's date in that episode. Yeah, I do find the uh, quote that she hasn't read any of it interesting. Does she, <laughs> is she assuming that Doctor Who maybe came from a book series first, maybe? Perhaps. It's one of those things, isn't it, where it, Doctor Who is one of those very rare things now that is popular but isn't from a pre-existing material. You know, yeah. like James Bond, the Marvel movies, the DC movies, you know, all these big franchises. It, it, Doctor Who sort of has managed to uh, stay central to what it actually originally was. And I think, I mean, I can't speak for it. Oh, hang on, Harry, one second. But for context, everybody, I'm recording from a car park and I can hear someone shouting. I'm just making sure I'm not about to be shot. Or killed, but everything seems okay. Carry on, sorry. I was going to say I can't really speak from it um, from an international perspective or a um, like I was speaking from a British perspective, where I feel like in the UK, I feel like it's generally kind of people know what Doctor Who is, like people understand what Doctor Who yeah. is and the basics of it. Although I don't think it's something where I, I really can't say because I feel like I'm so kind of absorbed into kind of the world of Doctor Who fandom now, especially since doing this podcast, I genuinely don't know what non-Doctor Who fans, what their understanding of the show is. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I don't know. I mean, I know a couple of people who don't really know anything about it. It would be interesting to ask them some questions. But yeah, it's one of those things where maybe I'm too involved in it. I know too much about it to really sort of have a separate opinion from it. And I only so have... perhaps someone like Sophia would be good because she doesn't know anything about it. So, mm. you, but then nor did Jody, nor did Matt. You know what I mean? So, nor did Chris, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Chris definitely doesn't. I still don't think he does. <laughs> Just going to let that sit. <laughs> Jim, do you think that Sophia would be a good choice for the Doctor? Yeah, do you know what? When I when I was watching it, it was one of the first things I thought because I know Tom Hiddleston's name gets thrown around all the time, but he's far too big. And I was thinking, oh well, she's clearly like just the right caliber. She's on the cusp of either becoming very successful or being Doctor Who. She's <laughs> she's on that cusp of one or the other. And it was like I feel like an actor gets to that point where it's either like they can either land 
Doctor Who and focus on that and craft um, sort of... I always think of it like this. So you can either... If you get to a point, you can either go and do loads of films or TV shows and learn to like craft your skill there, or you become Doctor Who and you're the Doctor for three or four years and you craft your skill in that one environment. And I feel like once you've crafted your skill in Doctor Who, you then become like Matt Smith and you do a Terminator, you do a Game of Thrones or you do the Crown, and then that leads you on to lots of other things. Or you get to a point like Sophia where you've done sitcoms and you do stuff like that, and then you land a big role and people suddenly start recommending you for these different roles, like Ollie Alexander. And it's like, oh, what's next? I'm trying to think now what I would do if I was at that point <laughs> in my career. Like, I would make you be Doctor Who. <laughs> I, would be I wouldn't like be able to tell you. you. I wouldn't be allowed to tell you. I would be like, Tim, oh, I've been offered this role. Do you think I should take it? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to think that if you did... La- Actually, I don't know if I'd want to know, actually. If you... For context, everybody, Harry's... Next couple of months going to be graduating as an actor. Yeah, Is that a right? couple of months' time, yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm just trying to think if, 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 if you had been offered the role... Let's say, say you got it, right? If I would want to know, or if I'd quite happily be, like, speculating again, oh, who could it be? And then, like, watching, like, Wimbledon in 30 years' time and going, oh, it's Harry. The thing is, I would want your reaction recorded, and I'd want you there for it. I'd be like, hey, we should live stream a Doctor Who reveal watch along. Do a live stream. I like the fact that even you're still doing this podcast. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. I'm not going to be too big for bigger on the inside. That being said, once I'm actually, if I actually was cast in a recurring role on Doctor Who, I feel like, I feel like if that happened, I would have to kind of stop doing the podcast. We'd stop it until your character left or died, then we'd come back. Okay. <laughs> we could rebrand. <laughs> Although I would make sure I'd let you be the first one to get an exclusive interview. I promise. Thank you, you very that. much. Thank you. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, she would be great. I think she'd be great, Doctor. Yeah. Okay, our next thing is um, not... Really... I like this next bit of news. <laughs> yeah, it's not really... It's kind of Doctor Who related. It can't... Peter Capaldi's releasing an album. He was Doctor Who. He was Doctor Who. Yes, he and was. He was. <laughs> he was, so th- there's the link. Um, is... I, I'm... <laughs> How much is this Doctor Who? This is the same amount of Doctor Who news as like Matt Smith is in the Game of Thrones spin-off, isn't it? It is, but I don't really like Game of Thrones, so I didn't speak about it. Well, I, I thought this was just fun, because I, I know there's a lot of love for Capaldi out there. I mean, I just go on Twitter every now and again, and there's always people getting selfish with him as he's about to do this new play or whatever in London. And this is one of those things I was like, oh, this is going to be cool. I can't think of a time when somebody ha- has played... It's not happened with any actor who's played Doctor Who, really, where they've then gone... And now I'm going to do this, like a complete J10 sort of thing. Like, we know Peter Cloudy loves music. His doctor was a very musical doctor. So uh, it's, I'm excited to um, listen to this because apparently it's not too far away, is what, the, what I was kind of getting. Yeah. He's already recorded an album. Mm. Do you think that we're going to get any kind of like Doctor Who references or even like a Doctor Who tribute song within this album? I don't think you're going to get like a Doctor in Distress, like a 
a song that's about Doctor Who, but I think he, I think it's impossible not to look at Capaldi and see that he's a big Bowie fan, and Bowie therefore Ziggy, and then you might get spacey songs or a song that's kind of intergalactic based, and then he may re- mention the polarity flow or something like that. You know, there might be a little nod and a wink, something like that. But I doubt he's going to be like, and now I'm stepping out my TARDIS on the moon. <laughs> Something like that, I don't know. <laughs> In what universe does Peter Capaldi's music sound like, you know, children's songs going, do ba do ba do ba do 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 I don't know. I just hope it is now. That's the first song, TARDIS on the moon. <laughs> I mean, if there is a song like that, like some kind of Doctor Who song, you know there's immediately going to be like hundreds of like AMVs or fan cams, whatever they call them, of like people putting a bunch of like 12 Doctor clips along with this song. Yeah, there will be, yeah. my YouTube recommendations. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. The amount of times I go on Twitter, it's like, it's 13, yeah, it's fan cam, and I'm like, I I don't get it. And I feel like, Maybe it's because I'm slightly too old. I mean, I'm 22, 23 September, and I've never really, I never really indulged in that sort of side of it when I was right age. I never really got tumble, and I never really understood that sort of side fandom of fandoms, really. Mm. No, I was never on Tumblr. I know that, like, shipping is a thing. Mm. But I don't know anything about it. I I don't get it, and I don't ship things. Like I, it took me ages to find out what to stand something meant. I didn't really understand that, but the, that just means like you're a big fan of something, I believe. It's the, uh, the word stan is an amalgam of the words stalker and fan. So it's like you're a, uh, you're a very obsessive yeah, right, okay. fan. Uh, okay, I wouldn't really say I'm a stan of anything. Really no, not even of Doctor Who. No. <laughs> <Please stay on laughs> no, Doctor definitely. Podcast where we follow Doctor Who news, including <laughs> Peter Capaldi's new album, which has nothing to do with Doctor Who. Okay, well, here's the thing. If we didn't do this podcast, I wouldn't know about that news. And there's a lot of stuff I wouldn't know about. The only reason I know about a lot of this stuff is because we did the podcast, and I enjoyed this sort of speculation and talking about this. I always think this bit of the news segment before we do the watch tomorrow is, I quite like it because I get to talk about media industry side mm-hmm. of stuff. Yeah, and then when we do the episode stuff, we get to talk about television production and writing and that sort of stuff. This podcast could really be about anything, and you would probably get the same level of enjoyment. It could be about Merlin or Grey's Anatomy or something like that. We should do a Merlin podcast. I've never seen Merlin. I know Harrison's yeah. a big. It's man. all on iPlayer. The full box set. It is. I believe. It is. Um, um, Julie uh, produced it. Oh, does she? And I know um, who plays Merlin in it. Colin Moore. Um, yeah, he's he's popping up in series four of Doctor Who in Midnight. So yeah, he is. He is. And Miranda and Miranda Raisin as well, who who I spoke to, she was in the final two episodes of Merlin. Um, I can't remember. I can't remember season. Miranda Raisin's character in Merlin. Yeah, yeah. there was a lot well, going on in those final two episodes, which is maybe why it slipped my mind. The only thing I know about those final letters and men is apparently there's a van in one of them by mistake. A van? A blue van, apparently, drove into shot in one of the frames, but I don't know. I won't say anything, because that's like a major, major spoiler for the end of the show. 
Oh, is it? Oh, okay. <laughs> right, okay, yeah, maybe don't. <laughs> I uh, I only watched it when it first came out, but I remember that ending, like, just really confusing me. I was like, uh, okay, okay. what? What? Wait, what? <laughs> okay. Okay, that's Merlin. I don't watch it. I'm not really, apart from Loki, not really watching anything at the moment. So maybe I should start watching Merlin. I'd like to watch that um, new BBC drama that came out, Time. Apparently that's really good. I haven't seen that. What's that about? Uh, I think it has like Stephen Graham in it, I want to say. It's about like m- modern Time. British prison system. Oh, oh yeah. I've seen the thing on BBC iPlayer. Like every time I go on, it's like a really clarified like like so I, I, it's like someone's gone into Lightroom and got the strength got like the sharpness and turned it all the way up because like his face is really uh he's too sharp <laughs> mm. yeah to watch that really know sharp show maybe I'll use our kind of hiatus to do that yeah oh, I'll go and watch Merlin I'll do a Merlin podcast I don't want to do any more podcast sorry news Harry <laughs> Yes, um, some actual Doctor Who news. The 60th uh, rumours. It's being reported that the BBC are in the early stages of planning, quote-unquote, big things for the show's 60th anniversary in 2023. It has been suggested that a series of specials are planned to be aired monthly in 2023, with each episode featuring a different Doctor. Does that mean, like, there'll be 12 different specials? Each with a different doctor is that what it's suggesting? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, that would make sense. I mean, what's the source on that? Is that Doctor Who production news or something like that? Is no, the still you send me is just from a Facebook page called I think Doctor Who page. Yeah, they've in the past they've been quite good at uh, uh, predictions and stuff, and I, some of it is hit and miss. Uh, again, random speculation. But that's an idea that I haven't seen thrown around before. It sounds like it would be very ambitious. Because yes. you'd have to get 12 live. I mean, how many living actors that have played the Doctor are there currently? Um, Tom Baker, Peter Davison, Tom Baker onwards, excluding John Hurt. So how many is that? That's... Is that even... Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, nine. But then David Bradley, ten, and Joe Martin, eleven. Yeah, but I would they put Joe Martin in there? And I guess that would the current. And I guess there'll be a different Doctor after Jodie as well, who we adopted by then. So if there's just about twelve surviving Doctors. Which means for that to work, they would have to get every living incarnation of the Doctor, including David Bradley, including Joe Martin, including Christopher Eccleston, to all. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> that's. Uh, I feel like that's just a little too big to believe. I don't know. In, in your in your mind, is Jodie still the Doctor in this? Because my, my understanding is that well, she is. If they're doing monthly specials, she'll need to have regenerated for there to be enough Doctors. If Jodie has they regenerated, recast. there'll only be do, 11. Do you, do you not think they could recast two and three? Uh, I mean, I guess, but I don't feel like that's what... I, I don't know if people would, would people respond to that. 
I don't, I, I'm inclined to agree with you there, actually. I mean, I, I like the idea of bringing those characters back. And I think there is actors out there now who could play those characters convincingly. You would need but to I get think actors it, of a similar calibre to David Bradley. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, I'm thinking, so it's January, right? And it comes on. The 13th Doctor meets the first Doctor. And everyone's going, oh, well, they did that. Like a regular person who isn't like us will go, oh, well, they did that three Christmases ago with Peter Capaldi. And then they go, February, Patrick Troughton. But it's not Patrick Troughton. Like, I feel like it's a, it's a dud start before you get to what people want, which is David Tennant. The way that's worded, though, suggests that it's not crossover episodes. It's like each special is like a new standalone adventure for that incarnation of the doctor yeah, that would be interesting i don't feel that would work well, i feel like the 60th and the fifth uh, the 50th is slightly different but i feel like the 60th can't rely too much on hype it can't rely too much on this is a big television moment because people are going to see the 60th advertised and to a lot of people the 50th only feels like yesterday let's be yeah. honest the, watching the 50th for me does not feel that long ago so when the 60th rolls around, people are going to feel, if I feel that, people, other people are going to feel that. So I feel it needs to uh, sort of do something different. And I don't feel 12 specials is the way to go. I feel like maybe a year of specials is a fun idea, like they did with Tenant. I don't, I don't see why that wouldn't work. But a special every month with a different Doctor would soon get repetitive. And I don't what would be the difference in storytelling ability between March and September? Do you know what I mean? What's by then I will be bored of seeing multi-doctor stories because I, I will have had one every single month. Unless not every special is an episode of Doctor Who, maybe some of them will be kind of like documentary type things. I, I don't know. Like I don't know, but I just, I feel that idea of doing. 12 specials and each special as a different doctor is very on the surface it sounds good but then when you actually think about it you go okay so march i'm gonna have a, a john pertwee crossover cool exciting and then when you get to like september and you're like oh, another one it's like i don't understand i don't feel like you can rely on 12 specials just relying on multi-doctor things because people will soon get bored of that I also really can't help but feel that the viewing figures between these programs will fluctuate drastically. And oh, it's yeah. just speaking statistically about how popular these doctors are, like not talking about what my thoughts on the quality of any doctor, like for example, the Matt Smith special will probably draw in a significantly higher view count than the Sylvester McCoy special. Yeah, exactly. People, this is it. That's what, yeah, you nailed it there. What I was trying to say is like the first special, people will be like, oh, interesting, but I've seen it. And people are going to want to wait for the David Tennant stuff. That's what people want. They want yeah. Eccleston, Tennant, Smith, Capella. That's what people want. It's well, that'll be one hell of a latter end of the year. Like the, the first half of the year might be a bit of a dud for most people. But then you get to the second half of the year and he gets to all the new who stuff and it'll be like, yeah. whoa, crazy thing every Yeah, day. I mean, like, September's my birthday. The idea of Christopher Eccleston playing the Doctor again on telly around my birthday is immensely exciting. So I wouldn't be opposed to that. 
um, yeah, I, I like that idea that you could, do, like what you said there works. Um, September onwards, or maybe you backtrack it so that the last special is the day of the 50th, uh, the 60th, sorry. So you have an Eccleston special one month, then a Tennant special, then a Matt Smith special. Actually, this is a terrible idea. Just do a, an hour-long special. That's what they should do, but I don't know if that's what's going to happen. I think they should re-air what they did on gold for the 40th anniversary. <laughs> or just add bits on at the end. Yeah, just, just add bits on, like just a random talking head with a significantly higher contemporary 16 by 9 camera quality footage of like Jody. Has it still got those weird K9 bits in it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although they've been, no, they've been updated to be replaced with the new Australian K9. <laughs> I like that, yeah. Yeah. What do you what do you honestly think they're gonna do for the 60th? If you had to put money on it, if someone said Harry, what do you think they're gonna do for Doctor Who's 60th anniversary? What do you not what do you want, what do you think they're gonna do? I want something completely different. I want something that celebrates the show's legacy in a new way. I think because the 50th was so celebratory of kind of new who specifically i'd like something that really embraces the whole legacy of the series all 60 years of it what i'm expecting is a crossover with new who doctors yeah but that's what i that's what are you you think it's going to be a one-off special do you think it'll be a, a a start to a series do you think it'll be a conclusion what do you think i think either an extended special similar to the holiday specials you've been receiving or maybe a two-parter. Yeah. Do you not think they're going to do like a, like a, a one big hour and a half special again? I mean, maybe how long was um, the last Dalek special? Cause that was pretty long. About an hour, an hour, an hour and 15, something like that. Something that length I'm anticipating. Yeah. Yeah. I'm probably with you on there. I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if they do this is the 60th year of Doctor Who and to kick it off with this new series we've got a big opening episode so you have a Day of the Doctor style episode as episode one of series whatever and then after that continuing week you have the rest of the series unfold but that opening episode stands alone storytelling wise from the rest of the series like a big hook yeah, so like you bring people in and you go, coming up next week, and it's like a load of other episodes. Um, I'm with you. I feel like it would surprise me if it's not a multi-doctor episode because people want multi-doctor episodes. And I feel, personally, I'm only really happy with multi-doctor episodes when there's a big occasion for it. When there's just like random episodes in a series, I'm like, oh, we could have saved this for something more exciting. So would you be disappointed if like David Tennant appeared in the middle of series 13? <laughs> Well, yeah, actually, yeah, I think I would because it would then take the shine off him possibly returning for the 60th. Yeah. It's like if I had a really nice cake and I said, Harry, tonight we're going to have this really nice cake. And then on the drive from the shop, I went, oh, should we drive it now? It's like, what's the point of, you know, yeah. do you know what I mean? It sort of ruins the excitement of it. So I feel they should save stuff for the big occasions. Uh, I, I think on the, whatever that 60 special is, if it is a multi-doctor, 
David will be there, Matt will be there, Chris won't be there, Capaldi might be there, and Jodie will be there. Yeah. Yeah. That's about it, really. I don't think they're going to do recasting classic doctors. David Bradley might be there. That might be interesting. I don't know. I, I, but then again, Chris Chimnall, it seems to be, despite what a lot of people believe, I feel like he does actually listen to the fan base. People wanted Captain Jack to come back in that first series, and I think a lot of people were bummed out that he wasn't back in Jodie's first series. So he was back straight away in the second series. He came back twice. Um, people weren't that happy about the fact there was no classic monsters. It now seems we're getting a lot of classic monsters. Yeah. A lot of singles. You know, everything that people disliked about that first Chibnall episode series has then, he's then worked upon it to create better series, in my opinion. So therefore, maybe I could be wrong that when the 60th does come around, we actually get classic doctors. You know, we get McCoy back and we get Davidson and they just do some timey-wimey reason why they don't look like they do. Yeah. As long as it's notably different to Day of the Doctor, I'll be happy because you're never going to top Day of the Doctor with an imitation of Day of the Doctor. Yeah. Do you think it'll be master? Do you think they'll put the master in it just to have that distinct difference? Maybe, I don't know. Or maybe they'll do... I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they brought back, say, another legacy. Another Because the big thing in David... One of the many big things in David the Doctor, they, they brought back the classic enemy of the Zygons and brought them yeah. back. New. Maybe the if they did something in lieu of that. Yeah. The Sea Devils, that'd be cool. They haven't returned yet. No, yeah. A lot of people like them to come back, yeah. Yeah. I don't know classic humans as well enough to say, oh, this this guy should come back. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Shall we hand over into the watch along segment of the podcast, Harry? Which uh Ah, yes, this is series four, episode one, isn't it? <laughs> it is series four, episode one. Yeah. You know, so I sometimes wonder like why we why we like just why we settle for just a podcast you know i feel like we could do much bigger and better things well not better things um sorry i just gotta take a phone call cut this bit out do you want to pause the thing you can pause it yeah i'll pause it yeah there we go harry you just had a phone call from someone there um yeah that was actually that was something i was going to talk to you about before uh, the phone call it's um it's this big criminal mastermind, um, and they want us to uh, team up to do a big, a big heist. Right. Yeah, he, he wants us to, you know, work together on this crime, kind of in a sort of partnership. Yep. Yeah. So we're going to be a, we're going to be a couple of buddies in illegality. Partners in crime. Partners in crime. That was terrible. Not only was the analogy rubbish, but we took a phone call through it. I worked the phone call into it, okay? I worked the phone call into it. Some people would not have been that slick. That's true, that's true. Some people would have said, oh, we'll just edit that out and we'll re-record it, but we didn't. Because we're raw, Tim. We're real. This is a real podcast. Real people. That's true. That's very true. Um, so enjoy the, a 
official start to Series 4 with uh, Partners in Crime. Enjoy it, everybody. We'll see you on the flip side of these of these um, little jingles. Whoa, radical. Shut up, shut up, shut the up, pop up. Humans are better in one respect. You are better at subscribing. Seek, locate, subscribe. Having you all. Oh, the news, Harry. That, that was sure some news. Um, please tell me your favourite part of the news this week. Uh, let's see. Um, it might have been the stuff about how Time Fracture has been doing. Or maybe, maybe actually I found the stuff about uh, Chris Reckleson doing Big Finish really interesting. <laughs> Honestly, I think we went on for a bit too long about the 60th. And I think we're kind of running the whole speculation about whether or not Jody's leaving to the ground but overall i think it was a pretty solid new segment yeah it was wasn't it good stuff good stuff um hello everybody welcome to the watch along segment of big audience tonight um we're here to do uh we we do this every episode if you've never listened this far why um but we go through every episode of dot since 2005 and this week we are doing what episode harold partners in crime by russell t davis that's right now this is, we had Voyage of the Damned last week, which is sort of listed as the first Series 4 episode, but this is the boot off of Series 4. This was the start of the fourth series as it was broadcast and listed. Um, first thing is there's no pre-title sequence. There is no uh, little catch-up before the opening titles. You know, in the past we've had like maybe a quick funny joke and then the opening titles, but with this it was just opening titles straight away. And I kind of like that. Uh, was this was there a longer running episode for this? A longer running time for this? I don't think so. It was just a standard forty minutes, wasn't it? Yeah, it was minutes, good. Maybe? I enjoyed it. But um, oh, there's one. What's going on? Give me a minute. Hold on, listeners. <laughs> Can you hear this? I heard some kind of thumping. Yeah, I think my flatmate's finally taken the bins out. <laughs> um, I took the bins out a couple of weeks ago and they were getting more and more full. And I was getting progressively more annoyed. This is not relevant like, to, the, to the podcast, but I will edit it out. Um, <laughs> and now they've uh, finally given in and gone taking the bins out, I hope. Anyway, um, yes, series, this is the start of Series 4. And the big thing of this episode, really, is the return of Donna Noble, played by Catherine Tate. Was you happy to see the return of her? Because we both watched this series as it went out live. Mm, yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember seeing it. I do as well. And this being, yeah, I remember thinking that this was a... I remember finding it very entertaining, but also it was a, probably the strangest series opener we've had so yeah. far, I'd say, in terms I, of just kind of what actually happens plot-wise. Yeah. I noticed that from the get-go, it is almost the complete opposite of Smith & Jones. In Smith & Jones, the Doctor and Martha meet instantly on the street, and then they sort of bang like their friendship together, and they're, they're straight away like doing whatever. 
But with this, it's like they're walking to the same building and you sort of think they're going to do the same thing of bumping into each other in the street. But they go like a good like half hour (laughs) without like seeing each other at all. And one thing that really stood out to me is that they, I think we mentioned it in series, in the start of series three, Smith and Jones, how they were leaning into Tennant's like comedic comedy sort of sensibility. And then in this episode, obviously you have Catherine Tate there as well. So that's really going to help. But they have fully lent into that. And this is a really funny episode. And from what I can remember, this series has lots of really funny uh, 10th Doctor moments in it. So I feel like from when we've watched these episodes, you've been able, we've been able to sort of track how the writers have seen these characters and gone, oh, that's a really good thing that I really like and audiences responding well to. So we'll keep building on that. And you can sort of see how these characters have sort of grown through like certain elements that audiences have really enjoyed. Absolutely, absolutely. This, this is a very, you get a real sense from kind of like the writing, the direction, and just the way it's edited that this is just, they're having fun now. Because like yeah. They've got to a place where like, they're really confident and they're just having fun with these characters and just really pushing what they can do with them and how far they can take them in these scenarios. Yeah. I'm just having a quick look to see if uh, this, if it, if we knew by this point that Tenant wouldn't be returning. I um, don't think it was until the start of 2009 that we found that out because I think he announced it at the NTAs. He, yeah, here we go. David Tennant to leave Doctor Who. It's from the BBC. Uh, I'm looking for a date on this. Can I find one? Uh, David Tennant has announced that he will leave the award-winning BBC drama Doctor Who when, uh, when he has completed the filming of four specials. Each will be screened in September in uh, 2009 and early 2010. Uh, yeah, so I feel like maybe this series aired, and then they did the announcement. Yeah, I think we might have known, however, that Russell was leaving when this series aired. Yeah, I think I so. Think we might yeah, have I remember that. it being sort of very... I, I remember knowing that... In Obviously, at the time, I didn't know this was all going into a big crescendo, but I think I remember knowing that Stephen was going to be taken over at this point. I, rem- I can remember watching this episode. Um, I was in London in a hotel room, um, went to London with my mum and my grandfather and we went to Lego. Did we go to Legoland? No, we went to all the museums, science museum and stuff like that. And this was this was on. And I was like, no, I don't go to the museum. Watching, <laughs> gotta watch this. And um, there's a certain moment I can remember very well, which I'll save when we get to it. But um, yeah, it's I, I've found it strange watching this um, sort of tenant era, knowing that it's, it's shorter than I uh, would have originally said. I'm sort of surprised mm. we're already in his last series. Yeah, it's strange. It's strange. It feels like, in a sense, we've only had kind of one full series of the Tenth Doctor, at least as I remember him. Yeah. And now it's kind of interesting because it's interesting because Tenant's Doctor changed so much over the duration of the second series, where he's kind of figuring out what he was doing. And then in the third series, it felt there was kind of further growth in that he'd finally kind of really coming to his own as this is what the third doctor is. Yeah. I'm interested to see if this series, that progression is going to continue because 
I pretty much, in my mind, my mental interpretation image of the 10th Doctor is as he was in series three. I can't remember whether or not he continues to change and develop from that point or if he's going to pretty much stay set as he is. Yeah, I think it's one of those things as well that when, we, when I first watched this, you don't notice things like that, really. You don't notice character development that much as a kid, especially with someone like the Doctor. You notice it when it's obvious, when it's written into the scripts, like the character development of, say, someone like, um, Rose or Mickey or someone like that you know these characters who have an arc across the series but when it's the main character and it's not really an arc it's more of a writing style that changes you don't really notice that as much when you're uh, like 8 or 9 yeah that is true yeah but to go back to the actual episode um, one thing that I noticed was that I liked it when uh, the Doctor and Martha they're doing the Doctor and Martha the Doctor and Donna are doing their uh, sort of working for health and safety and I like the fact that the doctor sits down with like um I think she was called Penny and she instantly starts hitting on the doctor <laughs> it's like this figure <laughs> yeah like, he's really good looking everybody fancies him <laughs> yeah I feel like they, they've kind of surely must have kind of seeped into kind of the public consciousness and kind of the writers at this point that yeah David Tennant's uh is a good looking man he's a bit of a heartthrob yeah. So just very explicitly writing that in now. They don't even need to kind of justify why people are attracted to him. It's just <laughs> Tenth Doctor, David Tennant. Yeah. Tight suit. Looks yeah. good. Um it's also in this, this sort of area where we get that sort of iconic scene of the two of them popping up and popping up popping up and popping down behind uh office barriers and stuff like that and it is just a really good fun episode i think this is a real i think when we when we've spoken before about where people should start if they're going to start watching doctor who um i think we said series one just start series one but i think you could also start here mm, i feel like this sets up very much if you're only in if say you're only interested in series four and the series Catherine tate was in i feel like this episode does a very good job at kind of setting up the general tone that this series is going to be in it's a bit goofier it's a bit sillier it's a bit faster and funnier it's very indicative of kind of the doctor companion relationship that the 10th doctor and donna have yeah um no definitely and let's talk about isn't the villain of the episode but it's the sort of alien monster of the episode the adipose um, something that I was always, until re-watching it today, was always very confused about why people sort of loved them so much. But I'd forgotten that they get some quite funny moments in there in this episode, and they're almost minion-esque in their behaviour, which I really like. Yeah, yeah. They're a very, very cute creature, and they're very kind of innocent. It's like the, t- the Doctor even says at one point, it's like, oh, you know, they're just children. They don't know any better. Yeah. I remember, like, the adipose specifically are the thing I remember as a kid finding very strange. Because, like, <laughs> I just didn't know what to think of them. Because on yeah. one hand, like, their existence is dangerous because they're made of people. And we saw the scene where, I can't remember what her name is, but she just fell apart into loads of adipose near yeah. the start. But then on the other hand, like, they have these innocent, friendly faces and they don't know any better. I was like, it was a thing where it was like, these, as a kid, it was like, you know, where I probably thought about things much more black and white. I was like, well, well, they're not bad guys, but yeah. not not good. They're just kind of this thing that happens and it's weird and strange. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Did you notice the Atmos sticker in the taxi window? I did not notice the Atmos sticker. Is that a recurring Harold Saxon type thing this series? Um, Almost, but not so much. Okay. It's something that I hadn't realised was recurring until I rewatched the episode this afternoon and spotted it. Mm. So uh, we'll keep an eye out for that. Um, Donna's family, I feel like after Series 3, where we sort of mentioned that they really should have leaned in more into Martha's family, that they seem to be doing that again. Uh, sorry, they seem to be doing that with uh, Martha, uh, with Donna's family. Oh, this is getting confusing. I've got too many companions. Um, we got Sylvia, Donna's mother, and Wilf, uh, Donna's grandfather, who we met in Christmas Invasion, who at the time was sort of unnamed character, really. Um the character of Wolf is actually there to replace um, Donna's father, Jeff um, Jeff Noble, played by um, Howard Atfield, I believe is how you pronounce that name, who passed away during the production of this first episode. So there is an alternative version where uh, where we you know where we meet Wolf and Donna goes up and Donna and Wolf have that really nice chat and she's like, if you ever see a blue box, you shout for me. That was originally with uh, uh, the that, the father character, but I think it works really well the dynamic of grandfather and granddaughter because I feel like as a as a, a grandchild, your grandparents are often the cool version of your parents. It's like they're higher up than your parents, so they kind of let you get away with stuff a little bit more. I know, like I could get away with stuff at my grandparents. And sort of, they would sort of usually be on my side if I had a problem at home. They would be like, oh, has your mum done this again? Or whatever. And I think they play with that really well. And I think having a grandfather character instead of a uh, father works really well. Mm, Yeah, I do like the grandfather dynamic. I feel like the whole... At least I remember as a kid, the grandparents... I I don't know if you'd cooler, but they were certainly the kind of more... Laid back. Kind of more rela- laid back, less more relaxed versions. Like, yeah, you can stay up later. You can watch whatever you want on TV. You can watch as much TV as you want. You can eat whatever you want. Here, have, have some pretzels. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 you're right. yeah I'm... <laughs> um, we, we're, we're on Will, so let's talk about Will. Uh, we're going to jump to the end of the episode where the Doctor and Donna are reunited and Donna waves uh, grandfather and there's a really good scene where he spots her through his uh, through his telescope and he does his big cheer and his dance. And I love it because it's not like he's going, oh, she's run away, what's she going to do? He's just really happy that she's... Because he, he mentions earlier that she's not being herself and that she mentions what she needs to cheer herself up. And then he sees that she's got it and that she's going off doing all this amazing stuff he clearly wishes he could do. You know, he's clearly into all this space stuff. So uh, I really love that sort of that scene where he's like just really happy. Whereas I feel if that was Sylvia, Donna's mother, it would be a very different reaction. Mm. No, I agree. It's a very refreshing dynamic to have compared to the last two kind of uh, parent-daughter dynamics we've had where the parent has always been very stressed about you're going off with this dangerous man. We don't know where you're going. You could die. You're not in contact with us. It's really refreshing to see kind of uh, a, a paternal figure who kind of um, is much more 
understanding yeah. of of the daughter and have understanding of like you're at a place in your life where you need to go places and you need to be let go i'm prepared to kind of let you go and do those things and encourage you and maybe it is because wolf is a grandfather and in a sense he's had that whole thing before with his own daughter sylvia of kind of learning to let her go and live her own life that it's maybe it's because of that that he's much more accepting and understanding of donna's situation yeah that's true yeah, mm. i hadn't thought of it like that yeah um, jumping back to the episode, if we're going through it, I like the little references to the Christmas invasion, uh, not the Christmas invasion, sorry, mm. uh, the Runaway Bride, with mentioning Lance and stuff like that, not ignoring these past episodes and sort of going, yeah, you know, you are right, it's the same character and stuff like that. And also not relying on it too much because not everybody would have seen that episode because Series 3 was where it really sort of took off um, viewing figure-wise. So... Um, yeah, I kind of like those little aspects that they've thrown in. Um, do you think that I can't remember? You just mentioned it then, it's just clicked with Sylvia. Jackie slapped the doctor, um, Martha's mother slapped the doctor. I can't recall if Sylvia does as well, but I kind of hope she does. <laughs> It'd be a fun recurring gag if Russell does put it in, yeah, of just kind of the doctor gets slapped by mothers. <laughs> disapproving others yeah um there's quite a sad there's a not sad scene but a reflective scene in which the doctor is in his tardis and he's talking out loud and he looks up to look to talk to someone either rose or martha and there isn't no one there and it's and it, the camera like pulls all the way out and you see the whole set yeah. of the tardis in this area and i think it's at that point where in past episodes the doctor's always said and he even said it in voyage of Downs where he said oh no i travel alone or I try to. And I think it is in this episode, and he says it at the end, that he doesn't want to do that anymore. Uh, well, this incarnation doesn't anyway. And that is, this incarnation wants a mate to travel with. Yeah. And I like that as a character development, sort of go, he's sort of accepting who he is more. Yeah, it is very interesting to kind of see the development of the Doctor in regards to his attitude towards having a companion. Like, as you said, like that's a great small scene it's like really short with him and the Titus alone I don't think it's any music as well it just kind of sits in it for a little bit before yeah. moving on yeah but it's kind of interesting that kind of throughout this episode Donna is kind of really enthusiastic to join the Titus and come along and even before he kind of says it explicitly you can sense that kind of hesitation and consideration from him whereas you can imagine with previous companions such as Rose Martha even Astrid in the Voyage of the Damned like he's immediately on board, like, yes, let's do it, let's go. Whereas yeah. here, when Donna kind of says very explicitly when they're in the outpost headquarters, that she wants to come with him, he kind of is like, oh, okay. Like he doesn't fully embrace it, he's like kind of just considering it. Because he, he almost feels like he's reached a point where he's like, it's better that I'm alone or I deserve to be alone. Everybody who's traveled so suddenly with me is like this... got trapped or died. <laughs> yeah. And suddenly he's kind of this new spiral of works comes through where it's like hmm not sure about this and it's, yeah. it's interesting and especially because that's something we've kind of seen recurring in incarnations since this like you saw it it immediately made me think of kind of um the 13th doctor in series 11 where before the three of them came traveling over she was like right listen this isn't an easy life you could get in danger you could die yada 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 
No, yeah, you are right. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And then they all say they're a board or something like that on the rolling, yeah. So I feel like yeah. if you look at the whole scope of the thing, yeah, it does change. Um, but when those two characters, Doctor and Donna, do meet, they're clearly very excited and bewildered to see each other. There's that very fun window scene, uh, which is amazing. And I love that there is no dialogue. And sometimes lip reading can be somewhat difficult, but you can tell exactly the conversation they are having, and it is amazingly well done. Yeah, it's you're able to perfectly follow it. And it is kind of very clear lip movements, which I got to credit the two of them for kind of making that feel natural within the scene as a way of them communicating with each other without it being super hammed up and just be you, you reading them lips. There's still a performance underneath that. Yeah, it's just a really well done, really funny bit from the two of them. Yeah. I just I really like the way it ends with kind of the um, kind of what her name is, but the uh, Foster, Foster. Yeah. kind of seeing a yeah, seeing her just like, am I interrupting you two? Yeah, yeah, because the camera it's changed. A really funny bit. It's originally inside, and you're looking at the Doctor and Donna from inside that room, so you're actually looking outside at Doctor and Donna. But whereas when it swaps to Miss Foster, you're on the other side of the door, on the other side of the window, looking in. So you feel like you've been caught out, and it's very, it's very well done. Yeah. Um, when they do meet, do you think it's almost? Sorry, go on. I just say that the way that certain scenes like that and them constantly missing each other earlier, it almost gets to a point where it's, and I use this very tentatively, like borderline almost cartoonish in how yeah. it's been debated. Do you think yeah. that's necessarily a bad thing, that Doctor Who is getting a little cartoony and wacky? Not really, and I think having Catherine Tate involved helps that. Um, it's almost a good excuse to be funny and silly, um, which mm. I know this series does. I know there can be times where I sort of think, oh, this is silly now. and you can't, I feel like if you do it too often, you could run the risk of sort of not rewarding your audience, sort of going... Look at you! You're watching a silly sci-fi thing. But if you if you balance that with, you know, seriousness and drama and things like that, it's uh, it works rather well, I think. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. Agree. When the Doctor and Donna do meet, I really like the fact that there's no like there's no like big conversation about oh they've seen each other again. It's almost like oh hello you, and then they instantly get back onto doing whatever they were doing. And it, I like that he, it's a really little detail. He, he says her name. He goes, oh, Donna. And I like the fact he only met her once for like a day. And then he's gone on with Martha and had all these crazy adventures with Martha. But he still remembers her name. He still remembers who Donna was. And he still remembers her name. And he still remembers that weird adventure that he had with Donna. Despite the fact that he's had lots of adventures on and off screen since since then. Mm, yeah, it's a very, very endearing kind of aspect of the Doctor's character, which I really like. The fact that despite all the places he's gone, all the people he's met, he never forgets a face and he never forgets a name. Yeah, And it, kind of, it does kind of cement that fact that he does really love meeting people and he values people and he values people's lives. It's just, it's just a very, it's something that's a very lovely way of kind of grounding the Doctor and not making him seem like this almost larger in life godlike figure like he's still connected enough to remember people in that way no yeah definitely right definitely right um did you i don't know if you remember this but there is references throughout the throughout the series about the bees disappearing 
Now, do you remember at the time of broadcast, the bees were actually disappearing? Were they actually? Yeah. I, and that I remember, means a vague bell, yeah. Let me have a quick look. Bees disappearing. 2007? Is it 2008 or 2007? I've got 2008. Bees disappearing 2008. Uh, let me have a quick look. Ten years after the crisis, what is happening to the world's bees? That was in May 2017. So yeah, 2007, okay. the bees started disappearing. <laughs> Russell decided, yeah, that makes a good sci-fi. But, uh, uh, so, am was, I right? But, but this was wrote before the event, so that's the thing. Yeah, it was just the most weird like happenstance that these two events occurred hmm wait so did Russell not know that the bees were disappearing when he wrote that the bees were disappearing into no, the, the... The, bee, the actual news came out this, as the series was being broadcast oh wow yeah crazy I mean Russell has incredible foresight um, <laughs> I have to say he does, he does. Um, I also like the fact that within minutes of meeting the Doctor, Donna nearly dies several times. Uh, she nearly plummets to her death, uh, which sort of just set a sort of tone for, you know, hanging out with this character. Uh, but then I also like the fact that she very quickly just brushes that off and just carries on doing whatever they were going to be doing anyway. Mm, yeah. Um, also notice, Russell T. Davis sure does like a story that involves... Um, larger people um, being some sort of alien species or being taken over by aliens. You have the Slovene um, where fat people are taken over by uh, well, the Slovene, their bodies. You have, from the Voyager down, you have Marvin and Moon and Noon, or whatever their names are, who a lot of their uh, uh, character development is the fact that they are large characters and they're having trouble fitting through gaps of you know, some of the other characters get fit through, and the character of Richmond often passes common about that. And now we have um, adipose seeping out the skin of fat people. Are you implying that Russell D. Davis has a problem with killing plus-sized characters? <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, <laughs> from watching Confidential, is that um, Russell picks up on it and he says, it's very strange that as I get older and, and larger, I start writing stories about how I dislike older and larger people. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. Yeah. I guess he's kind of writing his own insecurities into the program. Yeah. Which I is one way of handling them, I guess. Yeah. I want to talk about the sequence where um, they, they're kind of having that crisis moment where they think everybody's going to die, where they think they can't save everybody. And the fact that Donna's there and she also has the other necklace means that they can save everybody it made me think how many times off screen and without a companion has the doctor been in a situation where everybody has died because he didn't have somebody else there like donna with the right thing at the right time hmm. I mean, that's the thing i really like about that scene because it kind of obviously with the two necklaces thing is a very symbolic thing of showing the doctor benefits from having another person with him but also just the way that kind of Donna handles that situation. Like the 10th Doctor is very kind of tense and intense and kind of fast paced and agitated during that. And it's Donna that kind of calms him down and gets him to kind of 
speak and think clearly about clearly about what he needs there. And it's kind of that way that she grounds him in that scene. I also really like about her dynamic with the Doctor. Yeah, and that's something that this episode does really well is their uh, the dynamic between the Doctor and Donna. And it's not, there's obviously no surprise that that's why a lot of David Tennant's big finish stuff is with Catherine Tay as well. Their stuff is really good fun. Uh, if people enjoy it, then they should definitely go listen to a couple of those. I've been listening to some, and they're, they're just really good fun. Um, I have one more note um, before we move on. Harry, is there anything that we haven't spoken about yet that you would like to speak about before I finish on my final point? Uh, it depends whether or not your final point is about a uh, certain character we see uh, return near the end of this. That's right. Uh, the, the return... I, I I forgot that this return happened in this episode, and this is also the moment I remembered rem- watching this episode go out live because I re- um, what we're talking about is at the end of the episode, uh, Donna phones her mom to say that she's going away, and she goes up to a woman in the street and says, "I've hidden some keys here. When a woman turns up, can you tell her where they are?" And the woman has a back to the camera, and when she turns, it's Billy Piper as Rose Tyler back on Earth. How could that possibly be? Um, not seen since doomsday i want to say yeah not seen since doomsday so it was exciting to see her back i got very when when i watched it again i suddenly got very excited because i knew what was coming with the rest of the series and you start to remember all these exciting episodes and i also remember when i first saw that in a little hotel room in london um but yeah what did you think to uh the return of rose tyler it's i'm trying to remember what my initial reaction was when i saw it and I don't think I had much of one. I think I was kind of a little too stunned when I saw it and confused to actually process it. Yeah. So I remember, I think after after that scene, I think I remember questioning myself, thinking, "Was that Rose? Was, yeah. was that actually Rose in the show?" But that doesn't make sense. But I, I thought <laughs> it was. But I don't think I even said anything to anyone else I was watching it with. I think I was just kind of very quietly confused in my own head of like. But how? <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Um, but yeah, it's all very exciting and a good cliffhanger. It makes me wonder that when when Russell finished series four, uh, finished series two. Sorry, did he have an idea of bringing Rose back? If Russell ever comes on the podcast, I would love to ask him some of these questions about writing rather than and series structure and stuff like that. Rather than going, what's your favorite monster or stuff like that. I want to go. Did, was this idea planned out? How did this idea change that and things like that? I think that would be great to talk to. Yeah. The legend that I mean, is. I imagine that a big TV. part of it, of course, would have also been like casting, you know, securing like, can we get Billy Pipes to come back? If so, how many episodes can we have before? Stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, All yeah. the logistical things. And then having to write around the cast you have available. Yeah, that's true. And one thing I wonder if they did consider is that it's time for the quiz. <laughs> Patience is for wimps. Whoa! Let's see how I do. Harry, I have some good news for the listeners and some bad news for yourself, which is that because this is Series 4, I have upped the questions to four questions. Is this going to be a recurring thing? By Series 12, am I going to be answering 12 questions per I very much doubt that. Um... So you've got four questions. Let's see how well you do. Question number one is what two colours is the adipose pill? 
red and white, easy. Yes! <laughs> one. You got one question right. I know you're not going to get this one because you already said you don't know. What is the name of the woman who Donna Noble goes to interview about the adipose pill? I will take a first name, but if you get a second name, you're gonna, you only get one point either way. Stacy? Yes! <laughs> you got two points so far. This. this is amazing. Um, Sylvia, Donna's mum, goes for a meeting with her friends at a, a, a restaurant. And that collective group of friends is known as the What Girls. God, I can't remember this. Um. Um. The the the, the Sylvia's friends girls. The Wednesday girls. Bugger. Uh. Da, 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 da. Don't be sad. Two out of three ain't bad, as uh, Meatloaf said. Two out of three so far. We've got one more question there. The oh, bugger, end... there's a fourth one. There's I could lose question. it all. At the end of the episode, the character of Penny comes back, uh, still handcuffed to the chair, and she describes the Doctor and Donna as what? Mad? Yes. Oh, three out of four. Three out of four? That's enough. Well done there. Um, that would be en- that'd be enough to get f- through to the next round on X Factor. <laughs> Do they? It's very good. Wait, is that is X Factor still on TV? No, I got canned. I think it, very quietly. Now, oh. yeah, I feel like it. I remember it being a very quiet cancellation. Um, do you want a little bit of trivia about Partners in Crime? One fun thing I found out. All right. The episode was originally going to be set in suburban London in which a spaceship crash lands and then a dome is built over the spaceship, but the alien escapes and they have to capture the alien. But the idea was scrapped because it was too the idea of the dome was too similar to that of the Simpsons movie. Oh yeah, the Simpsons movie came out this time last time, didn't it? Yeah, so there you go. That's um trivia, the quiz. And the episode. Now it's time for the segment that we always forget. Recommendations. Before I go, I just want to tell you you were fantastic. Harry, I always go first. Um <laughs> so I'm just gonna you talk did last you week. Uh, just randomly waffle some stuff around. Um before I go to you at the end of this sentence to ask you what thing are you going to recommend our listeners at home listening to this podcast? Uh uh I I I would rec- recommend um uh um 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 uh 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 No. Um, what would I like to recommend? I don't know either. Uh, what have I watched or done this week? I went to the pub today. That was nice. The only thing I can think of is like... Go enjoy the sunshine. Um, have I, I haven't watched... The sunshine. Sunshine. <laughs> the sunshine. There you go. I'm going to recommend enjoying the sunshine, but make sure you wear sun cream. I'm going to recommend uh, listening to Liam Gallagher sing the, the word sunshine because it's very funny the way that he says it. <laughs> well, this was a sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Anything else, Harry? Anything that we haven't spoken about that you wish to speak about before I push the end of record button? So, uh, how's how's the wife? <laughs> what the? <laughs> yeah, I've not asked you about your marriage recently, Tim. How's the wife? Um, I'd like to say conscious, but I can't. Well, not on, not on uh, speaking terms right now, oh. are you? <laughs> Is that what you think that means? <laughs> Someone's better than what? I, I, yeah, I mean, obviously, oh, obviously you're not you're been chatting to your wife. Right if, you know, if you don't know, if you don't know whether or not she's conscious right now, you're clearly not been chatting for a while. Otherwise, <laughs> you'd know. Very true. Very true. Um, yeah. So, thank you very much for listening this far. If you have listened this far, then you are a true legend. And I would like to ask you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, and Anchor. Leave a five-star review wherever you are. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Bigger on the pod. And uh, I will now say goodbye. Ta-ra, everybody. Thanks for listening. Really appreciate it. Harry, do you want to say goodbye? Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Make sure you subscribe to the official Bigger on the Inside podcast.